0: I say everything's gonna be alright. I say everything will be all right. Everything's gonna be alright. Good day wherever you're listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio. It's Friday, February twelfth, twenty sixteen. We're up to episode four hundred and one. My name is Radio Joe Hughes. I think here with me in the studio is our engineer, John. you got to have faith. All right, this week we're going to do a little thing called Radio Joe Reports from the Particulate Matter Workshop at the National Academy of Sciences. It was very good. I'm going to try and summarize in an hour the things that occurred over a day and a half. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors. And thanks to our newest sponsor, Particles Plus. Particles Plus engineers and manufactures feature rich particle counters, air quality monitoring instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. Learn more at www.particlesplus.com. Count on us.
1: John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com.
0: Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at CleanFactsWithAnX.com,
1: IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products. For services.
0: Particle Man, Particle Man, doing the things a particle can. What's he like? It's not important. Particle Man, is he a dot or is he a spec? When he's underwater, does he get wet or does the water get him instead? Nobody knows. Particle Man. All right, let's get started. So I, I just got back. I was at the workshop on the health risks of indoor exposure to particulate matter. This was a uh, program put together by the National Academy of Science. It was sponsored by EPA and uh, it was excellent. Uh, had a very good time and, and saw a bunch of excellent speakers. I'm going to jump right into it because I'm not sure where the Z-Man is but we're gonna jump in here without him. Um, the The chair, I guess, I'll have to get the correct terminology on this, was Bill Nazaroff. Uh, Bill is pretty well known in the industry. We're going to get Bill on, too, by the way. It was great to have uh, a lot of the people who spoke here were actually past guests of the show, which was nice to see. But there were a few we haven't gotten yet, including Mr. Nazaroff. He is the uh, Daniel Tellup Distinguished Professor of Engineering at the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at the University of California, Berkeley. And he did a real nice job of pulling people together and then um, coordinating the entire event. Other members who uh, contributed were Terry Brennan, uh, Dr. Rich Corsi, who we've had on the show, Terry, of course, we've had. Uh, Dr. Howard Kuypen, who who was um, excellent as well in coordinating some very good presentations, and Tina Raponin, who I hope we're going to get from the University of Cincinnati, where I did finally get a chance to meet and talk to her, and we're going to bring her on real soon. So I guess the first thing I want to mention is a little background before we get started. Um, The task at hand was... They put together an ad hoc committee for a 1.5 day, a day and a half, public workshop on the state of science regarding the health effects of indoor exposure to particulate matter. Uh, It was planned and organized, a workshop. They selected and invited speakers, and um, they broke it into several different I guess, major categories, I want to say. Um, the categories were, we started out with the sources of indoor particulate matter. That was moderated by Bill Nazaroff. Uh, we had Brent Stevens, Lynn Heidelman, and Brandon Bohr speak on that topic. And then they had particulate dynamics and chemistry. That was moderated by Rich Corsi, Glenn Morrison, Jeff Siegel, and Charlie Weschler spoke there. Then we had exposure levels and characterization. That one was moderated by Terry Brennan. Um, we had uh, Barbara Turpin, Dr. Turpin, Dr. Roy Harrison, and Gary Adam, Adam Uh Get it right, Gary. And then we had exposure mitigation. That was Bill Fisk, Sergey Greenspun. And Brett Singer. And finally, we had um, identified and emerging health concerns. That was a very good session. Bill Nazaroff uh, did a welcome on that. That was moderated by Dr. Kuypen. Ryan Allen, David Rich, and Mark Weisskopf spoke during that session. And the final session, which was very interesting, was intervention and risk communication. And that was uh, Dr. George Gray, Dr. Bill Holman and Dr. Leanne Kohler. A lot of PhDs in the room. I don't think I'd ever been in a room with so many PhDs in my life. Well organized. We had a, um, a good group of people in the room, but also about 400 people were following on the uh, webinar that was being done live from the event. They had both uh, audio and video. A lot of good questions from all around. Let's see if do we have the Z-Man.
1: Win a cool prize by out-competing fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text them the answer via your computer. I'm happy to report we had a photo finish and have two winners for last week's trivia question. Andrew Konzer, President and Owner of Certified Safety Consulting in St. Louis, Missouri, and John Lapoteer, Indoor Air Quality Solutions, Winter Springs, Florida. The IQ Radio trivia question for Friday, February 12, 2016, has been sponsored by Triska, the Restoration and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members, for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Check out their website. It's trsca.org. Now for this week's trivia question. What is the smallest unit of matter? Back to you, Joe.
0: Interesting. All right. Now, to get a little more background, since this was all about particulate matter, I want to just get a little background on what particulate matter is. According to EPA, uh, particulate matter, also known as particulate pollution, oftentimes referred to as PM, is a complex mixture, mixture of extremely small particles and liquid droplets. Particle pollution is made up of a number of components, including acids, organic chemicals, metals, and soil or dust particles. And the size of particles is directly linked their potential for causing health problems and EPA is concerned about particles that are 10 micrometers in diameter or smaller because those are the particles that generally pass through the throat nose and enter the lungs once inhaled these particles can affect the heart lungs and cause serious health effects and actually they're more concerned now about the PM 2.5 and smaller those we call the inhalable coarse particles Um, and then we have Fine part. I'm sorry. The inhalable coarse particles are the 10 micrometer um, and smaller. Then we go the 2.5 micrometer and smaller. Those are called fine particles. And then ultrafine particles, which are a fairly recent um, area of discussion in the indoor air quality world, are 100 nanometers in uh, in 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 length, I guess, or diameter it would be, um, or smaller. So these are very small particles, about 0.1 micrometers and smaller. I think most of the people in the IAQ world are using, like, a particle counter from, like, our our sponsor, Particles Plus. They've got particle counters that go out to about 0.3 micrometers. They probably capture some of that. But to get these really small ones, you need an ultrafine particle counter, which is a different different way of measuring and a little more expensive. We'll talk about that as we go along as well. All right, so Cliff.
1: um, Okay, Joe, what was the format?
0: Well, first of all, how was the food? Was the food good? (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, actually, um, that's a good point. The Sloan Foundation was there, and they had uh, paid for some, you know, little food, uh, beverages, the coffee break, and a little breakfast, etc. So, and then the breaks. So that was nice. Uh, we had to go eat at the cafeteria, which was no problem.
1: All right, well, what was the format, and where was the workshop
0: held? Interesting place, the National Academy of Sciences in, in D.C., northwest quadrant of D.C., and... Um, we had a, a nice conference room there with a spillover room and um, they had good audio video equipment there and we were broadcasting to about 400 people online I, I think around the world actually um, I'm no I know at least around the United States but um, it was a nice facility they had a uh, they had it set up in sections which I talked about before you got on so I'm not going to review that and we had presentations from each of the uh, section leaders and then a presentation. They had three different presentations within each section. All right.
1: Why do you think the EPA chose to put so much effort behind a particulate matter and health workshop program?
0: Well, Dave Rousson of EPA was the first speaker. He, you know, after um, Bill Nazaroff introduced and welcomed everybody, they had Dave Rousson on from EPA, and he he talked about EPA's taking a holistic approach to indoor air quality, and then using the results of this particular conference to help inform the work that EPA does in the future. And as most of our listeners know, the biggest component of indoor air quality-related issues is somehow related to particles and particulate matter. And, of course, EPA also has the ambient air exposure that they deal with, with outside air, and a big component of the indoor air comes from outside. They're also well aware that there are specific health concerns with respect to PM2.5 particles, and so it's, a, it's a, an issue that is a huge part of the indoor air quality world. Who
1: attended um, the live event, and then who participated online?
0: Well, I went over the the people that were there live, although there were others. There were several uh, people from the National Institutes of Standard and Technology. The people from the National Academy of Science were there. Um, David Butler was the staff member from NAS that organized everything, did a great job. Uh, Guru Madhavan was there as well. He helped with the organization of things. Anna Martin, there were people from the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, Laura Kolb, I mentioned, Dave Rousson and um, then we had kinds of different industry participants, and a lot of them were people doing research on indoor air quality-related issues, a lot of PhDs, a lot of professors, and from all over the country. uh, A couple even had to call in. They couldn't make it live. We had one gentleman also called in from from the United Kingdom. So it was an excellent group of people. Um, Actually, Cliff, you'd have been proud of us. I would say about half of the speakers have been on the show at one point or another.
1: That's great. Well, if you want to go through the presentations one by one and and comment on them, yeah, let's do that.
0: I think what I did is I, I took notes with every presentation, and, and I I started, of course, with um, you know Dave Rousson and, and his presentation, and and then I went on to Brent Stevens was next. Uh, we had Brent Stevens who was talking about outdoor air and appliances as sources of indoor particulate matter. And, and Dr. Stevens has been on the show. He's with the Illinois Institute of Technology. I encourage listeners to go back and check out his show if they get a chance. Uh, he was saying that a, a 2005 report study indicated that about 130,000 deaths are attributed to elevated outdoor PM2.5. This was a 2005 study. I don't know if he had any more current numbers on that, but that's a big number when you think about it. And um, we've got a lot of people that are, you know, having mostly respiratory and cardiovascular issues as a result of exposure to this PM2.5 outdoors. Well, it only goes to you know, it makes sense that um, indoor levels oftentimes are, are higher than outdoors, and so there's concern about what the indoor PM2.5 will do. They talked about the fact that people spend about 90% of their time indoors. Um, Brent also talked about the indoor-outdoor ratio of particles and what he called the infiltration ratio, and, and he did a great job of discussing that on our show. I've heard numbers between... It depends on the size of particles. So the ultrafine particles get indoors a little less frequently than the fine particles and the coarse particles are also sort of like the ultrafine. So the the fine particles tend to be the ones that get indoors in the largest numbers, probably about 80%, somewhere in that range. And um, overall, all the particles, about 50 to 80%. And one of the things that Brent was emphasizing and all the speakers were emphasizing is what what we do not know so first they told us what we know brent discussed how the building envelope works as a filter essentially and that a lot of particles about 50 to 80 percent make it through that envelope but it depends on the type of envelope you have as well and what we don't know is, is things like variabilities in infiltration and, and air exchange rates and how window opening frequencies impact air exchange rates and you know how air exchange rates vary with window opening it could be two to four times higher but there's no good data on that and then he also discussed a little bit about the underlying mechanisms that you know that govern the factors of infiltration like the envelope I mentioned earlier And finally, he he brought up a couple of um, newer sources, I guess, one of them being 3D printing. And uh, they've done a little work on what 3D printing does, and it emits huge numbers of particles. And um, finally, I want to mention that Brent also brought up heated surfaces. This is something I never really thought that much about in our indoor in and qua- you know we do indoor air quality investigations and um, I guess you always intuitively realize that heated surfaces would cause a an increase in in particulate but um, heated surfaces and ultra fine particles were something that we need to learn more about and uh, he, he talked about that and um, my my first thought was well I guess we got to go around and clean all those little baseboard heaters I've got in the house and, you know, get the fins cleaned out and all that because we just don't know how much that's adding to the particle load indoors. Well, let me ask you, Joseph.
2: the, The heated surfaces attract particulate?
0: Um, I think it's a combination of things. They, they attract it and they, they somewhat change it, which is another interesting thing. And I um, learned during this conference, you know, how, how particles change. When they go from indoor from outdoors to indoors, they actually change quite a bit. And I thought that was interesting information, which I'll talk a little bit more about as we, we get into the next presentation or a couple okay. down the road.
1: What were your takeaways from the next presentation that dealt with in uh, airborne
0: allergens and smoke. Okay, Dr. Lynn Heidelman is a um, professor of civil and environmental engineering at Stanford University, and she did talk about indoor sources of airborne allergens and smoke. And I had a couple of interesting takeaways from that. One is is combustion and, and particulate microns. The, the particulate microns from combustion are Oftentimes, a lot of them are submicron particles, so they're, they're in that kind of ultra-fine range. And it actually was interesting that today I was, you know, it's kind of cold up here on the mountain, so we fired up the old uh, wood burner here, which I, I try not to use too much because I know it, you know, it's not good for my indoor air quality, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm on the mountain here. It's about three below zero today. Well, today we're probably up around, you know, we got up to about 10 today. And um, you know, we needed a little extra heat. So you fire that up and, and when you do, you get a lot of small particles. But I, I have this little particle counter on my desk called spec. And uh, we talked actually about that a little bit at the show as well, at the conference as well. And the peak did go up. It didn't go up as much as I expected, and I think in part that might be the fact that a lot of those particles are ultrafines, and it's just not, not capturing that, but um, it definitely goes up, and it's an interesting to watch how particles change as different activities occur. Other sources she mentioned that were well-studied were cigarettes, incense, and, and again, wood combustion, so those have been you know studied to some degree, but there are combustion sources that need more. Study and one of the big ones that was discussed is cooking. Um, we know that grilling and burning cause the highest amounts of particulate matter. Um, we know that natural gas stoves and ovens emit mostly ultrafine particles, and that e cigarettes can have um, some ultrafine particles as well. Um, but the size and the evaporative rates depend on dilution. So, interesting additional topics that I don't think we always think about is the particulate from cooking from natural gas stoves and from ovens, etc. And then she also mentioned that the persistence of these is not clear and there's a lot of issues with respect to neighbors and infiltration and then those issues haven't been really well studied. We'll talk more about that as we go along. She also mentioned that how you know that your proximity to the area, or the source um, is very much important. is very important with respect to the level of exposure that you'll get. Um, that once you're, you know, outside of the source by about a meter, um, the exposure seems to go down. But when you're right within that meter, it could be 10 to 20 times as high, and um, as as with a well mixed uh, environment. She also mentioned some other indoor sources of airborne allergens. Uh, of course, we know about people, dogs, cats, but skin cells um, and the bacteria from skin cells. We talked a little bit about house dust, damp surfaces, and how aspergillus penicillium tend to be higher indoors. I think most of our listeners are aware of that. How allergen sizes vary tremendously. Uh, talked about the different allergen sizes. And, and talked a little bit about vacuuming, essentially that um, normal vacuuming is going to give you about a two to five time increase in fine PM concentrations, exception being if you have a well-sealed ver, um, HEPA-filtered vacuum cleaner where it's not as bad. You're still going to get some elevation, but not as bad. And the thing she said we need more study on are the factors affecting emission rates um, and Um, of bacteria and fungi, which I found interesting. Like, so we don't really know what airflow vibration. um, I thought about water activity and and mentioned that as well. We don't know how those affect the emission rate of these different allergens and airborne uh, particulates that are biological in nature. And then her final thought was um, that homes that are tightly sealed and, and, your source emissions are going to build up, and we haven't done any, you know, a great deal of study on how much that affects the amount of particulate in the indoor environment. And um, also higher humidity rates and what elevated humidity does with respect to particulate, but also when we tighten up buildings, what that does with respect to humidity rates. So those were a couple of takeaways from, uh, from that particular presentation
1: Joe, there was a, a couple of texts, uh, there's was a, a comment and a, and a question. Let's deal with the question first. Uh, are any of the presentations going to be available you know, to the public, either in a recording or you know, written or you know, via computer form?
0: Yes, um, that was asked, and David Butler asked that we give them about one to two weeks and all of the presentations will be available through um, the National Academy of Sciences website, and we'll we'll get that um, link out. I put it out with the last three show announcements, but um, we'll get that link out again as well. So they will be available, and it, it's excellent information. I, I encourage people to get them.
1: Then we have a listener comment, uh, you know, on heaters having an electromagnetic field that can attract dust and then burn the dust off, and I guess that's where some of the change takes place in the particles and the characteristics what was the next presentation and what were your takeaways
0: from that one okay the next one was brandon Bohr, and we've had brandon on the show dr Bohr. he was if i recall correctly he came on with rich corsi and i gotta say thanks again to rich uh dr corsi down at the university of texas austin there what He's been such a great friend to the show and um, you know he's he's really I mean you know we got the Hall of Fame last last month there Cliff but really Rich Corsi belongs in that Hall of Fame. He is he is taught and and mentored so many of these young indoor air quality guys and this is just another example of one uh, that he's worked with and, and and done such a great job with um, his his presentation
1: cloud of dust. Yeah.
0: In indoor right, right, right. And um, Brandon talked about a good bit about resuspension. He's done a lot of research on on resuspension of particles. And and what I found interesting that he talked about was, you know, one that we're all familiar with. If you've done any particle measurements in a home, that, that walking and you know activity in the home resuspends particles and, in and, and my experience, the, the larger particles, and he confirmed that, um, and that we really don't have good information on, like, the, the exposure to particles for an infant, for instance, near the floor, and, and he, I think it was him that had the, the video of um uh, a little robot i think the japanese built to simulate a baby and they had it crawling across different types of carpet and they measured the particulate that was being generated just by the baby crawling the other thing i thought he and he mentioned on our show but brought up again was the sleep micro environment so what what we're exposed to while we're sleeping and um that was interesting i i was Talking to a couple of uh, the presenters because I think it was um, Bill Fisk who mentioned that you know the studies on the use of, of portable high efficiency air cleaners uh, indicate that you know they really don't help that much with allergy and asthma uh, at least by themselves. We later clarified that maybe in combination with other things they they would help more. But I think part of the reasoning was that. A lot of the particulate that's generated, especially while sleeping, is is right there within, you know, it's in the bed. You know, it's under the covers. It's when you're rolling on the bed, when, you're, when you turn over from side to side, there's a lot of particulate generation. It reminds me of uh, going to look at a, a well-known college, I won't mention the name here. I did a, an investigation at, and um, they were getting ready to remodel the dorms. And there were three very uh, knowledgeable indoor air quality investigators that went along for a walk there. And, um, you know, they were talking about ventilation and talking about humidity and etc. And And my first thought when I walked in these rooms was, how often do you change these mattresses? Because they looked horrible, Cliff. I mean, they were – I wouldn't want to sleep in that. And they're paying, you know, $30,000, $40,000 a year to go to this well-known, you know, Ivy League-type school. And um, – This is the type of thing I think some of us miss is, you know, a third of our day, eight hours a day is spent in that bed. There's a lot of exposure in that bed. One of the best things you can do for your indoor environment is to keep that area clean and to get a new mattress from time to time and to use good vacuuming technique and washing technique on those things. And I think Brandon really helped to you know, drive that home in my mind, and talked about the sleep microenvironment. He also talked about uh, occupant clothing, and, and and when that came up, Dr. Kuypen, who's um, MD, medical doctor, mentioned that um, they have some good studies and some good information now coming in on cleaners, and I, I, thought, I thought about you when this came up, and and the development of algae and asthma, I can't remember if it was one or both. I know asthma was part of it in people who clean uh, for a living. And so I'm going to get Dr. Kuyper, and he agreed to come on the show and talk about that a little bit. I look forward to doing that down the road. Um, the other thing is Brandon discussed the difference between multilayer and monolayer particulate. And, and we really don't know that much about... Um, the difference in particulate emissions or particulate exposure between these multilayer and monolayer types of particle loads. And that made me think about cleaning the air ducts in your home. And the EPA document from back in 1991, should you have the air ducts in your home cleaned? And when you think about it, you know, when you look at mechanical systems, sometimes they have like a, a thin monolayer of particulate. But other times they've got a real thick um layer of particulate in there and i thought him talking about a multi-layer versus a mono layer was important in that we don't really know how that affects the particle levels and and we need more information on that he also mentioned we need good information on adhesion of particles and that again makes me think about mechanical systems you know i was always I know the early studies back in the late 80s and early 90s said that when we clean mechanical systems, we sometimes increase the particle level in homes, and that maybe that's because of the adhesion, that maybe we should leave them alone because that particulate is adhered to the, the duct work, etc. So interesting stuff. They really don't have much on it, but I, I suspect in the future they'll be doing more research on that. And um, I think we better move on, Cliff, because I'm going to run out of time here. I know it.
1: Okay. Do you, do you want to uh, discuss the other one before halftime? Yeah, or? let's get one
0: more in. We got a little late start. We'll cut that off the beginning when we edit, and then uh, that'll get us right around 30 minutes if we get one more in. Okay.
1: So the next... Uh, one that you'd want to discuss, would that be uh, Glenn Morrison, Dr. Morrison?
0: Um, was it Glenn or was it Jeff Siegel? Maybe I skipped. Cool. Let's go to Jeff Siegel. Um, let me make sure where we're at here. Yeah, I've got the Jeff Siegel notes in front of me. Another uh, fascinating guy we've had on the show, came out of the UT uh, group as well, and he was talking about uh, particle size and, and concentration, and uh, let's see if I can get to that. Oh, yeah, I did skip Glenn Morrison. We'll get back to Glenn in a moment. So he was, Jeff was talking about the dynamics of particle size and concentrations indoor, And he did a, a building science perspective. Jeff likes the building science world. And, um, you know, Dr. Siegel's an interesting guy. And he brought up some interesting points. Um, he talked about, first of all, the fact that, you know, buildings have – large, large surface areas, and there's a large variation in the measured and modeled deposition rates. So we don't have good models on how particles are deposited in buildings, and, and whether they're you know localized or they're spread out evenly or um, any of that stuff, it's really difficult to say. And then he also mentioned resuspension of particles, and again, that monolayer versus the multilayer, deposits on hard surfaces and we don't really know how that affects the resuspension and then he mentioned hvac systems and that you know the fact that forced air systems are very common they're ubiquitous in the states so we went on to talk a little bit about filtration and how you know filtration could be a big big part of the answer To making you know to helping indoor environments have fewer particles, but that if we're going to do that, we have to make sure that those filters are properly sealed, properly sized. We use the right type of filters. He also mentioned um, that the components within the system act as a sink for. Particles and that uh, we need really, and this is what I, I know Brian Baker's listening. And, and I kept thinking when they're making these statements, you know, we have some of this information out there. I just, we got to get it in the hands of the right people. One of the things he mentioned that we need good runtime measurements on mechanical systems because, you know, we don't know how often systems run within the built environment. Are they running 10%, 20%, 30% of the time? That data is coming. There's, there's some good information on that, and I, I wanted to bring that up because I know Brian's listening. He also talked about uh, heterogeneity and the importance that importance for exposure. Um, and again, that that air cleaner study came up, and that you know it would it did a good job of helping people with uh, cardiovascular related health effects or or. I don't know if they had the specific health effects, but they they studied how it would assist with cardiovascular, but it didn't seem to help much with the allergen and asthma related effects. But cardiovascular was a big, big focus of this conference because we know PM 2.5 Causes a lot of cardiovascular related issues. So he said the knowledge gaps were the HVAC runtime. He thinks we may be assuming higher runtimes than are actually occurring. Uh, he talked about ventilation dynamics and how they affect particulate. And I think the biggest point I want to bring up with uh, Jeff, Dr. Jeff Siegel, was he talked a lot about these unseen surfaces and spaces, which I don't know that all the researchers were aware of all the different unseen surfaces and spaces that add to or affect the particle levels within homes. So attics, crawl spaces, plenums above ceilings, uh, wall cavities pipe chases, electrical chases, all of those things are unseen surfaces and spaces that affect our indoor environment and the particles in there, and uh, I thought it was a very interesting presentation. Jeff is always fascinating. Let's go to halftime, Cliff. When we come back, um, we're going to go back to Glenn Morrison. For some reason, I had them out of order. And thanks to our newest sponsor, Particles Plus. Particles Plus engineers and manufacturers feature rich particle counters, air quality monitoring, instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. Learn more at www.particlesplus.com. Count on us.
1: The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions. We use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com.
0: Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Check them out at legends-enviro.com.
1: And, of course, our marquee sponsors, John Don Products, or Restoration and Abatement Contractors Shop. Visit them at johndon.com.
0: Clean Facts. The number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at dot
1: IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products or services.
0: Okay, we're back with the second half of our review of the... uh, workshop that took place last uh, just this week, actually, at the uh, National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. And I kind of skipped over um, Dr. Glenn Morrison. I had them out of order. So the second session was on particulate dynamics and chemistry. And this was Rich Corsi. He was the moderator for that. And then uh, Glenn Morrison came on first. I, I jumped over to Jeff Siegel. But Glenn talked about indoor chemistry and aerosols. And this was a a really, a fascinating um, session, and then the third session was Charlie Weschler, Who, it was someone in the audience mentioned, you know, said this was like a, a three graduate courses in, in uh, you know, post grad school. I mean, it was just unbelievable the amount of information they did in. These were only twenty minute presentations, but uh, a lot of interesting information. So let's go to Glenn. Uh, Glenn was talking about he talked a lot about oxidation and secondary organic aerosols and when glenn and charlie talked about what happens to particles when they enter a building and they were primarily talking about particles coming from the outside into a building and how much change occurs to that particle when it goes inside and and that change occurs as, as the result oftentimes of oxidation, and we get these secondary organic aerosols. So the indoor um, precursors of secondary organic aerosols include the terpenes, ozone, and nitrate radicals, so NO3. And it was very interesting when they talked about these because, you know, you, you don't think about a particle going from outside to inside and then changing, and, and they do. And they're starting to have some good advances in the measurement of these, of these types of particles, the, especially uh, the secondary particles that occur and the secondary organic aerosols that occur. Um, they're getting better at modeling this, and they're they're learning more about some of the reactive oxygen species. and And we hear a lot about these things when, when in the restoration world, when people were using ozone or the hydroxyl radicals and so on, and and You know, a big part of the impression I got was that we we really don't understand this very well, and but we're making progress, and and we're learning more about how these different reactive oxygen species affect the particles when they are in the indoor environment. Um, And he talked about how um, there are knowledge gaps, you know, and these, these knowledge gaps are things that we still have to fill in. And you know at this point it was kind of tough to follow at times because it just got so detailed with respect to the chemical changes that occur to these particles and then the secondary particles or the secondary aerosols that are, are created when these reactions occur and i just kept thinking of what one of our guests said about the uh, hydroxyl radicals and the hydroxyl generators and the ozone generators that were you know we're kind of playing chemists without really knowing what we're doing and, and that always worries me that uh, when we start using these things. So I, I thought that was a great way to start the session. And then I talked about what, what Dr. Siegel talked about, and that was the dynamics of particle size and concentrations indoor. And the last one was the one that was really tough to follow, but I did my best. Charlie Weschler, um, Dr. Weschler, who we were working on getting on the show, talked about the composition of indoor particulate matter, including the influence of SVOC partitioning. Okay, so these are semi-volatile organic compounds, and, and he was talking about partitioning. So Charlie mentioned first, you know, went back through the size ranges. The ultra-fines were 0.1 micrometers and less. The fine particles were 2.5 down to that 0.1, and the coarse were greater... Than 2.5. He talked again about the outdoor versus indoor sources and um, talked about the fact that a lot of the, the particles are, are organic carbon particles. I think he said they were about 60% in the indoor environment and that there were some emerging topics. So, for instance, the processes that change the chemical composition, uh, the chemical composition of outdoor particles changes significantly when it comes indoors. The outdoor particulate matter acquires these SVOCs when indoors, and I believe that's what he referred to as partitioning. I've I've got to go back and review that again once the slides come out. He also mentioned that we shed the entire outer layer of our skin every two to four weeks and that, you know, it doesn't just come off as necessarily skin cells, that again, we, we have this partitioning that occurs and that there were phase states of indoor particulate matter, which he described as liquid, semi-solid, and glassy, and that we have many holes in the knowledge about the chemical composition of indoor particulate matter because of all these things. Then he also mentioned a term I wasn't familiar with. I'm sure many listeners are. He called it gray dust. And this is one example he gave was from ultrasonic humidifiers and that um, when, when you use an ultrasonic humidifier, uh, you, you get this kind of gray dust, I guess, that's that's left behind. I thought about a recent project I was on where you know they weren't really using the humidifier, and uh, you got all that you know kind of um, white granular material that was left behind, the minerals, etc., that were you know in the water. And they talked about the need for using either deionized water or purified water. But even when you did that, you you got this gray dust as the result of using these types of uh, humidifiers. So all very interesting information. Um, again, you know, th- there were all PhDs, but even the other P- the PhDs were kind of like, whoa, that, that that one went over our head a little bit. But it was just fascinating and showed us how much we don't know, I guess, is the best way. He also, uh, a couple of people mentioned how ozone just doesn't do much of anything with respect to uh, particulate and that uh, it's oversold for, um, you know, there's there's a lot of claims made that just can't be verified. So that was a good one. Cliff?
1: Okay. Well, what I was going to suggest is, um, you know, we have we don't have a whole lot of time. We have a lot of uh, presentations left. you want to go through each one? And, you know, would you prefer to have one point per presentation? You know, the one... Yeah, a let's get a quick takeaway or couple
0: key points from each one. Let's go over to the next one. That's Barbara Turpin. And this session was on exposure levels and characterization. That was moderated by Terry Brennan. Uh, Dr. Turpin is at the Environmental Sciences and Engineering, Professor of Environmental Sciences and Engineering at North Carolina uh, Grilling School of global public health and um, she was talking about exposure characterization and how it provides insights into sources and transformations and um, she she said that indoor generated particulate matter is largely organic and I had mentioned earlier I think 50 or 60 percent she said about 70 percent of the organic uh, particulate matters indoors and then she talked about increased respiratory hospital admissions once we got to about uh, 10 micrograms um, and and she she mentioned a little bit about vocs as well and and we really don't know very well what types of vocs are indoors and and really we just don't have a great knowledge on on how many different types of vocs are indoors and they are definitely much higher than outdoors which made me think about the prism labs folks and Alistair Lee and, and a lot of the work they're doing on indoor volatile organic compounds i think it'd be great to see them get together. So those were some key points from there. I'll keep them short from here, Cliff. Okay. How about we go to Roy Harrison next? Uh some determinants of indoor concentrations and exposures to particulate matter. He came to us via web uh from the uh, Queen Elizabeth Birmingham. He's the Queen Elizabeth Birmingham Centenary Professor of Environmental Health at the University of Birmingham. And um, he talked us a little bit about how particles from, they have a couple of buildings they were studying. And one was an unoccupied building. Now, in that building, about 75% of the indoor particles came from outside. So that was, you know, uh, pretty close to what the others had been saying, although this was an unoccupied building. And then um, he talked about the fact that it takes, that in his research at least, it takes about 20 minutes And it, again, depends on the type of building, how tight the building is, the building envelope, for the outdoor particles to get indoors. And then the unresolved questions he mentioned were the differential toxicity of particles from different sources um, with different composition, that we, we need to learn more about that, and that as the particles from food, cooking, et cetera, or are the particles from food, cooking, etc., as toxic as the outdoor pollutant mixture. What was interesting is they were all of them were, were pretty much um, concerned about the outdoor particles that come inside because, you know, we know that that outdoor PM 2.5 causes these resp- respiratory and, and cardiovascular issues. Um, I thought there would be more emphasis on the particles that were, you know, indoor, uh, that were coming from indoor sources, but they were actually more worried about the particles coming from outdoor sources. And Maybe that's just the impression I got. But he did ask about whether or not the particles from cooking were as problematic as those from outside. And uh, I thought that was an interesting presentation. All right. Next, we had... Session, let's see, this is going to be session four, exposure mitigation. All right. Now, this was good, and this was moderated by Tina Raponin out of the University of Cincinnati. And the first guy up was Bill Fisk, who we I got. Bill's going to join us on this show. and looking forward to that. Unless I skipped one here. Oh, Harrison.
1: It's socioeconomic determination of oh, indoor yeah, yeah. particular matter exposure: understanding sources, structures, and settings by Gary
0: Adamkiewicz. Yeah, at Adamkiewicz, excellent, uh, very interesting presentation by Gary. He is um, a guy that works more with multifamily and lower socioeconomic. Types of uh, indoor environments. So he's out of uh, Harvard, I believe, and yeah, the Harvard School of Public Health, and talked about the socioeconomic determinants of indoor PM and did more of a multi level view of uh, the determinants. So he talked about how the neighborhood, the building, and the household, all affected the types of particles within that building. And um, then he, he talked also about the the sources that, you know, there, there were slightly different sources from each of these. So, for instance, um, environmental tobacco smoke was more of an issue in those types of settings, uh, cooking, you know. Um, he, he talked about the structures and the problems with getting the structures fixed in many cases. Uh, he also talked about more of a holistic approach and um, mentioned the American Housing Survey and that um, that building energy, you know, the intersection between building energy retrofits and health. And he talked a little bit about that and the fact that we just don't know for certain how that's going to, you know, what that intersection is going to be like. Um, that, you know, that, that's going to be interesting to find. And that uh, PM 2.5 uh, nicotine at the highest levels in the winter, highest levels were also in disabled units. So he talked a little bit about, um, I don't know if it ne- necessarily was PM2.5, but nicotine, and how in um, either disabled or elderly units, they found very high levels in, in those types of units. And that's, you know, not always, we don't always think about the difference in, Um, not just the neighborhood, the building, and the particular occupants in that building, but then you've got different types of occupants. You've got the elderly, you've got the young, you've got, um, you know, those in between. And he he talked a lot about those types of things and some public housing-related aspects. So very interesting presentation by Gary. Uh, Bill Fisk, indoor particulate. Yeah, um, Bill talked about particular I guess the big takeaway for me there was um he talked about filtration. I mean he's he's very knowledgeable on filtration and fibrous filtration and then talked a lot about the the promise but also the um the misunderstandings about electrostatic technologies and and I guess the big takeaway for me there was that um the removal efficiency of these, uh, the rating—you know—the removal efficiencies of these filters um, decreases pretty quickly. Pretty quickly, he said. The charged filters rapidly lose their efficiency. I thought that was an interesting takeaway from there. He also was the one that mentioned that the standalone filters had not really shown any benefit with respect to asthma and allergy, but then when we talked about it a little bit later, he said, well, you know, they could show more of an effect if it was combined with other Types of uh, intervention like you know more frequent washing of uh, bedding, HEPA vacuuming, etc., and that that really hadn't been studied very well. And that there were excellent health benefits of filtration, um, and filtration sometimes improves health outcomes in subjects uh, with al- allergy and asthma, but it definitely improves the outcomes in those uh, in cardiovascular outcomes so he wasn't saying we shouldn't use for filtration he was you know a big filtration guy but uh still not sure about the standalone filtration with respect to asthma and allergy but he did feel that and that study showed that it does help with cardiovascular sergey Grinspun, uh he's with the university of cincinnati and approaches for controlling exposure and and this was another one that was um, interesting in that you know I'm not that familiar and I think it's it's one of those that you know, a lot of people aren't terribly familiar with things like unipolar ion emission, and and he did talk a lot about ozone generators as well, and that they do not clean the air. Um, he, he talked about the thermal inactivation of aerosolized spores, and and got into the the temperatures necessary. He was talking about temperatures on the order of three hundred degrees centigrade. I did get a chance to talk to him after the show, or after the presentation, and mentioned that you know this was a hot topic with the restoration industry that um, there was actually a patent on using heat in in buildings and that um, they would be very interested in the type of information that he had. And um, I guess the big takeaway from there was that he, he wasn't convinced that using heat at the levels that we typically see you know, when they're pasteurizing buildings, would do much with respect to the mold spores and bacterial spores. So the the spores were more hardy, and that, that would be difficult. He wasn't really familiar with the technology, but I look forward to getting him on the show to discuss that in the future.
1: Hey, Joe, I have an idea, but uh, let me just run it by you. Yes, sir. Um, we're getting low on time. If you do the blog this week, for presentations that we don't have the opportunity to discuss, you can just add your notes.
0: Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Let me just run down the rest of the list here real quick, okay? Because I got – Brett Singer was next. Um, let's see. Air sealing was was more effective for ultrafine particles when they did air sealing, Um Ryan Allen talked about, he was with Simon Fraser University. Dr. Allen talked about PM and health and cardiovascular health. He studied about 500 uh, non-smoking houses and the outdoor particulate matter accounted for about 80% in his study of the indoor PM. And the hottest topic with health is particulate matter and cardiovascular again. So he was, uh, again, you know, letting us know that that was the that was the topic with respect to particulate matter was the cardiovascular, and that's what a lot of people were looking at because that's where the the biggest health effects are. Although we we know there are others, and we're not downplaying the others, but that was a big part of what his presentation was on. Um, and that I guess the most interesting part on that was that even at low levels um lower levels of pm 2.5 the effects are still occurring these cardiovascular effects that so even at lower levels of pm 2.5 and that the curve is the steepest at the low end of that distribution so i thought that was interesting uh presentation from dr allen and he also talked about how particles um, can enter the body different ways that you know you have influence of course with the lungs and then you have spillover and then the autonomic nervous system and the blood vessels and and then particles directly entering the bloodstream so a very interesting uh presentation he he actually I've probably got more notes from his presentation than any other. Let's move over to David Rich uh, with the University of Rochester. And um, David talked about ambient PM and adverse birth outcomes, another very interesting presentation. And um, talked about the the studies on premature birth and uh, fetal growth and, and restrictions on fetal growth and pregnancy complications. And um, he, he talked about how particulate is you know, how they're they're studying the effects of particulate on these different issues, which is something I never really thought about, you know, and how um, there appears to be, and they're still, of course, working on these things, maybe some association between the particle levels and these birth outcomes. And uh, I thought that was very interesting. So he pointed out one study where after a Utah Valley steel mill closed, the preterm births dropped uh, when the steel mill closed, and um, they've got a couple other good, interesting studies on that. The next one was uh, Mark Weisskopf, and this one I really wanted to get to today because he, again, uh, had a little different take on on particles and, and, and the health effects related to particles. He was talking about neurological and psychiatric disorders and how particulate, indoor particulate may affect those and um, you know this particulate matter can reach the brain and it can do so through the respiratory tract or directly through the olfactory and uh, I thought that was an interesting take I know others had texted me on that and and you know We're we're very interested in in what he was talking about. He also mentioned some studies on particulate matter and autism and whether or not particulate matter may be affecting autism, and there have been some animal studies on that. So I look forward to getting him on to discuss that in a little more detail as well. And um, neurological disease in general, things like Parkinson's, uh, Alzheimer's. He he said there's a suggested association with particulate matter uh, with with respect to these neurological diseases, which I don't think many of us thought about in the past, Cliff. We're making some progress. Let me just kind of go over the last session here, interventions and risk communication. And I think I can summarize the three presentations pretty quickly here. We had uh, Dr. George Gray, Dr. Bill Hallman, and Dr. Leanne Culler, who discussed intervention and risk communication. And the whole time I was thinking about the show we did with uh, Dr. Sandman out of uh, Yale Cliff, if you remember that show, and uh, risk communication-related issues. And they, they were talking about what we don't know with respect to the challenges in communicating the particulate matter risk. And those of us out in the field know. How difficult it is to chat to, to communicate you know to people about things they can't see they can't feel they can't taste and why is that important you know and then the challenges with respect to you know i talked about a low cost sensor you know the the peak we've got or the the, the little sensor we talked about from create labs at cmu and um low cost to whom i guess was the question you know if you're getting a $250 tax rebate are you going to spend $200 on on this low cost particle sensor well i thought that was a good point you know that how do we even if we learn all this information and and we you know learn without a doubt how particulate matter affects health how do we communicate that to the people who need the information in a way that's going to get them to change behaviors, and basically the, the the takeaway for me was that's going to be really really hard. And um, you know I talked to Terry Brennan a little bit about this after the conference, and and it's it's going to be a tough tough challenge to get people to recognize that particulate matter in their homes is an important issue and that one that they should be really paying closer attention to. Um, they used radon a lot. To kind of help illustrate how difficult it can be uh, with radon, it was very difficult to get people to test their homes for radon. Even when they gave away the the radon test kits, it was very difficult to get people to use them. And um, they went over the different factors that make this such a challenge. But it's you know it's not without hope. Um, and and the thing you have to do is you have to start with. And this was the last presentation. Uh, by Dr. Kohler, uh, she, she talked about, you know, the fact that we've got to get first a baseline of information. I've got so many notes from these three presentations. They were just excellent. We're going to have to get uh, a couple of them on the show. But we need a baseline of information. And, that you know, we have to keep in mind those listening to this show, who are in this indoor environmental quality or disaster restoration world? We are we're a privileged group, that only about 29% of adults, 25 years and older, have a four-year degree. About 43% um, live in rental properties. That about you know 15% are living in poverty, and a lot of times these are the people that need this information. But how do we get it to them in a way? Where they're going to use it. So, how do we communicate to who? What are we going to say? Through what channel? With what effect? And I find that a great way to end the presentation. I couldn't decide if that should have been the, the first thing or the last thing in this conference because, you know, it really made you think about all this different information we're gathering and, and we're learning more about the indoor environment and particles in the indoor environment. But how do we take that information and make a difference in people's lives? Well, the first thing we've got to do is, is learn the answers to some of these questions with respect to, you know, who, what they think about it now, um, how we're going to communicate it to them, through what channels. And I thought, uh, I can't wait till we get uh, Dr hallman on the show because you know he he mentioned something about i think it was him it might have been dr Culler and i kind of want to end with this we're using the terminology coarse particles fine particles ultra fine particles well if you think about it and you've never you don't have any idea of what particulate matter is or whatever and you tell somebody we're worried about fine particles in your home they're going to look at you like well they're fine. What's what's wrong with them? They're fine particles. They're probably good particles, you know. And and it's all it's the the um, the way we present this is going to have to be really well thought out, and um, it's going to have to be done in a way where we can actually get some some buy-in from the people who need to, uh, you know, who need the information that we're gathering. Cliff.
1: Yeah, a couple things, Joe. This event that you went to is this going to be an
0: annual workshop? I, Not that I'm aware of. I'm not sure. I know the next step is they're going to put, you know, if you recall the Institute of Medicine and, and this National Academy of Sciences um, is a part of the Institute of Medicine, as I understand it, but I'll, I'll have to double check on that. But the National, uh, the Institute of Medicine put out the damp buildings and health back in like 2005. As I understand it, They're going to put together a paper that will present all this information for people, and then there are going to be recommendations, and this is going to help guide EPA in how they tackle this issue as time goes on. I don't think it will be an annual thing, though. All right, good enough. That was just my final question. You want to bring Pete in and say hello? Sure. Oops. Hello, Pete.
2: There you hey go. Hey, Pete.
0: Hey, guys. How you doing? You know, i saw I couldn't
2: call in earlier. I had a I had a conflict on one of my conference calls. It was on it was on Central Time and I was on Eastern Time, so it overlapped, and I couldn't jump off the curl. But I've, I've been on for about 10 minutes. I've been hearing you, the last little thing you've been talking about. And um, but anyway, I'm I got at least got a chance to kind of call in. So
0: how uh, the show go <laughs> <laughs> well Pete here's the problem. I tried to put uh let's see a day and a half eight about twelve hours of excellent presentations into an hour, and um that's always a challenge but i I told cliff i'll I'll do the blog this week. We'll put the blog together and try and get this information in a nice concise manner out to the listeners um, but it was a very interesting very very interesting uh, workshop a lot of very intelligent people there and um, a lot of good questions some answers not as many as I think we would like and um, I think the last part is probably the most important you know how do you know we're going to get all this information but then how do we get it to where it matters and and where people will act on it and you know I was talking to a friend of yours and ours Terry Brennan after the after the workshop, and
2: oh uh, you know, you tell me, Terry Brandon's great. I mean, he, he's been to every summer camp from summer camp one. I don't think he's missed one, and uh, he he presented one year uh, as one of the featured speakers too. It's been 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 a while. He's uh, he he's really great, man. I'm glad you got to spend some quality time with Terry. He's a good guy.
0: Yeah, and he you know he he's got a builder's background and a building science background, and it it I don't know we I kind of think you're going to have to somehow get this information built into code or renovation requirements or international property maintenance or, or something like that. I just don't see people, the bulk of the people out there, either being able to afford to make some of these changes or being aware enough that of how important it is to make them. Although there are some, I think, that, you know, they, they can do pretty easily. And I think you're going to have to... you
2: guys ever interviewed Terry on the show?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he'll be back. He'll okay. be back. I'm, I'm trying to get him for a keynote at our conference this year. I think we made great progress yeah. on that as well. But, um, but yeah, you
2: know... I got, I got a couple of thoughts based on um, not just what I heard, but I, I, I knew and understood from reading the, the show notice and what you're all doing with the intent of the show. So I, I got a couple of thoughts on that to share. I mean, the first thing is... Um, what you want to do to capture all this information I think is really, really important, you know. Um, but but trying to put all those sessions into one-hour show, you know, back in the neighborhood where I grew up, we talked about that was like trying to put two pounds of poop in a one-pound bag, you know. <laughs> um, you can make it fit, but the bottom of it all up. Uh, so, but, you know, I've always advocated for years in all of my association activities is that a lot of these events that could put on at the association's, a one time only events and you don't always have access to the proceedings, but that it the benefit of belonging to something, uh, you know, which whether it's a member of a group or even, you know, loyal readers of your show and people who always, you know, check out the blogs, is that it's important that that each that a company gets that information gets passed on to people in their organization. So in the context of the show, how does that transcend? Well, essentially what you've done, Joe, is You've kind of been like a scout out there going to, to this program, dissecting the information, trying to make it relevant to the audience. Um, and granted, uh, you know, it's probably too much to cover in, in a show, but you can really detail it in the blog, get it out to the people, maybe you do a follow-up show. And, you know, I think that's an important part of, um, of uh, you know, the educational process, if you would. And, uh, particularly with your show, you guys have a CC component that some of the different people can get. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a technical area with a lot of the big issues. So in my mind, I, you know, I, 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 think that's real good work and, uh, out of play for Radio Joe. And, um, you know, and I think it's something that the listeners and the people out there, you know, should keep in mind. You know, when they, uh, leverage, uh, you know, belonging to REA, IEQA, Ashray, you know, what AIHA, whatever group it is, um, Go get that information. Have someone there. They're not to just be the owner. And when they come back, they need to do a brain dump and, uh, you know, do a one hour meeting, like kind of what you're doing. Give all the key points back to everyone else from the company so that they, they're up to date on what the latest information is and they're on the same page. You know, you don't have uh, one project manager saying this and the lady in the office talking to customers saying this and that. You know, um, you kind of share, share the wealth. And, um, you know, for whatever that's worth, if you put a couple of, uh, the uh, washed-up uh, talking points. You know, maybe you put that at the end of the block. I, I think that uh, is something that people should take, you know, should take into consideration. So anyway, sorry Mr. missed the show. I did, did want to try to call in, and um, anyway, glad it went well.
0: Yeah, we always appreciate having you check in, Pete. And uh, you know, I think it. You know, the the National Academy is going to put out a paper, but it's going to be something that I don't know how many people will. Take the time to read through the whole paper. It's a it's going to be a big paper, as I understand it. So I think having some quick summary of it for people. And I agree. I think you bring up a good point that needs to get put out to um, all the troops, not just the the owner or the the top, you know, supervisor, so that everybody's on the same page. And and the other nice thing is that you know this is something they can use in their everyday. You know, in their homes every day you know where you know, there are certain things that we need to be aware of that uh, particulate matter is obviously a big issue it's uh, they wouldn't have put on put all the time and money and effort into putting this program together if they didn't have solid information that shows that you know this this is a health concern that, that we should be uh paying attention to and that needs to have a light shine on it. You know, we got to shine the light on this, and um, I was very happy to be a part of it. Well, Cliff, any final thoughts before we uh, sign off here? No, I'm done. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We uh, appreciate everybody being here. We appreciate um, EPA uh, putting together this and sponsoring this um workshop and of course the national academy did a great job there everybody was very uh very very welcoming and um, i thought it was uh, well done and if you got a chance to join it live i think you really uh, saw some great speakers and my goal is now cliff to make sure that you know the other half that we haven't had on we're going to get on here at some point, and uh, we'll go over each of these in a lot more detail when we do get these specific speakers on. But in the meantime, we got the word out, and uh, I think we helped to spread the word a little bit on on particulate matter and why it's important. So this is Radio Joe saying thanks to our sponsors, of course, to my co-host, the Z-Man, to Pete... The Restoration Industries Global Watchdog, Pete Consigli, to my engineer, John, you got to have faith, and most importantly, our growing group of little, well, I'll tell you what, downloads have been excellent here so far this year. Keep them coming, folks, and uh, we'll see you next week. We've got um, We've got a great episode lined up for next week. I don't have it in front of me here, but I know, what do we got on that schedule, John? Maybe I don't have it on there yet. All right. Well, I'll, I'll get out the show announcement soon, and we'll all look forward to seeing everyone again here next Friday at noon for the next episode of IAQ Radio.
1: This has been another IAQ Radio production.